Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's take God's word together and turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, if you would, please. 1 Samuel. And a few weeks ago, James and I agreed that we would read together the book of 1, 1 Samuel. And I think he finished it a whole lot quicker than I did. But there were a couple of things that stood out. In fact, in, even in the last couple of days, I want to share with you something that has really jumped out to me. And I trust it'll be a blessing to you. 1 Samuel chapter 21, something really stood out to me, and uh, I believe it would be the word, the message that God has for us this evening. 1 Samuel chapter 21, let's begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read down to verse number 9. 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, reading down to verse 9. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech, the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand? Spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. We'll stop our reading there tonight. I want to draw your attention to a question that David asked in verse number three. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? What is under thine hand? Literally, the question is, what do you have on hand? Now, you may remember the story. David is running for his life. King Saul is ready to kill him. In fact, this is not the first time that Saul tried to kill David. This is uh, a, a number of times later. In fact, this is now to the point where it is no longer safe for David to remain there serving King Saul. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had said, I'm going to figure out for you whether or not you can stay. Jonathan was optimistic. Of course, they came to find out that even Saul wanted to kill Jonathan as well as his own son. 
for David's sake. So it's no longer safe for David to be there, and he hits the road running. He's been running three days, no food, for three days solid. And he comes to this place, Nob, which is just outside of Jerusalem. This is where the tabernacle was now set up. And it was set up here. Uh, if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away. It was not there at the moment. So now the tabernacle was set up here. They were still doing some sort of priestly duties and responsibilities there as we read from this chapter. And it's, it's very interesting to me that the first place David goes is to the house of God. That's the first place he goes. He has let, he has fled and runs straight to the place of worship, to the place of intercession, and he is in desperate need. I say this evening that there's no better place to go when you are in desperate need than to the house of God. Oftentimes, that's the last place you want to go. When your life is upside down and things aren't what they should be, sometimes that's the last place you want to go. But can I tell you that there's no better place for you to be than in the house of God. And he asked, when he gets there, he asked the priest, Ahimelech, what do you have available? And there are four things in our text that you can expect to find in God's house. Four things that you can expect to find when you come to the house, the place of worship. And I hope tonight that this will encourage you. Four things are on hand. The first thing we find in our text that you can expect to find when you come to the house of God is direction. Well, if you look at the next chapter, when, when uh, Doeg goes and rats out David to King Saul, he's tattletailing, as it were, in chapter 22, verse number 9, then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitab, and he inquired of the Lord for him. And gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So in that one verse, you find three things that you can expect to find in the house of God. The first thing being direction. And the very first thing that you find that, that Doag is tattling on is that the priest was asking for David direction from God. Every once in a while, you find yourself in a very difficult place in life. Tired, weary, hungry. That's where David was. And very afraid. Unsure of the future. Not sure where to go, not sure what's the next step. By the way, that's all a pretty bad combination, isn't it? When you're hungry, when you're tired, you're agitated, and you're, and you're afraid. But he went to the right place. He needed direction for life. And he goes to the house of God. And can I just say to you, when the best, one of the best places you can be when you're seeking direction in life is amongst God's people beneath the preaching of God's word. Now, you'll find that three of these four things that you can expect to find in the house of God are pictures of the Scripture. Three of these four things are pictures of the Word of God. The Bible says that he inquired of the Lord for him. What should he do? Where should he go? Can I just say to you this evening, if you don't know what to do in life, if you're stuck, if you're in a difficult place, you're trying to figure out what's the next step, one of the best things you can do is ask God. Amen. Inquire of the Lord. And that's exactly what David did. He goes to the house of God to seek for direction. And, and, and one of the most foolish things we do is when we don't know what to do, we ask everybody else. We ask about 15 different people, and they give us 15 different answers. We ask this fella and that fella and this lady and that lady, and at the end of the day, we get 15 different answers, and we're more confused than we were when we started. 
We're more, more unsure than when we, when we ever began. The, one of the best things you can do, the best thing you can do is to inquire of the Lord. In fact, David began a pattern here that would lead him, that would guide him as he led the nation of Israel. In fact, if you look at chapter 23, look at it with me, please. And verse number two, the scriptures say, therefore, David inquired of the Lord. Verse number four, then David inquired of the Lord. Chapter 30, verse number eight says this, and David inquired at the Lord. You see a pattern coming here? 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 1. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Don't know what to do in life. Don't know what to do right now. Ask God. The Bible says Jesus told us from his own lips, ask and ye shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Seek and ye shall find. I think one of our problems today is that we're asking the wrong people, listening to the wrong people, rather than asking God. And I remind you that this is a picture. Inquiring of the Lord is a picture of the Scriptures. If you want to find the answers, open this book. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 6, I love this, you'll be familiar with this, but I'm going to turn there for the sake of quoting it properly. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 23. Solomon writing, He's giving instruction to his son for the commandment. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Let me go back over that again. It says the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Would you like to know what the way of life is? You find it in the word. Would you like to know uh, the the lamp, a lamp or a light, meaning would you like for God to sh- shed a little bit of light on the subject? Well, open the word. We find it again in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's what God's word is able to do. Would you look here for a moment? God's word is able to give you direction for right where you are now, a lamp unto thy feet. And it's also able to point you in the right direction, light unto thy path. So it gives you a little bit of light on the subject right now, and it shows you where to go. But do you know what? Sometimes we don't like what God's word says, and so therefore we don't open it. Every once in a while, we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And because we know what we should do and we don't do it, we don't open the scriptures, and therefore we're just as confused as ever. God's word offers direction. You want to know direction in life? You want to know why? Uh, maybe you're not where you ought to be, open the scriptures. Want to try to figure out what's happening? Open the word. That's the first thing. I remember what Jesus told us. By the way, these three, three of these four things are, are pictures of the scriptures, pictures of the written word of God, and they're also pictures of the living word. Who's the living word? None other than Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said in one of his famous I am statements, I am the way. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Jesus is where to go. He's the way. So there you go. Let's look at the second thing. You can look in our text. What's the second thing that you can find, you can expect to find in the house of God? Well, he says the very first question he asks in in chapter 21 and verse number three. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? What do you have handy? Give me five loaves of bread. He specifically asked for bread. You can expect to find bread when you come to the house of God. I hope so anyways. You can expect to find food for your soul. David was hungry. 
Every once in a while, I get hungry. Do you get hungry spiritually? Do you get hungry inside? You need to be fed. You need to find you need something for your soul. I think it's interesting. We are kind of strange creatures. We like to gorge ourselves seven days a week. We'll definitely take care of our body when it comes to eating food, but yet we only eat spiritually. Some people only eat spiritually two or three days a week. What do you think about that? Some people, the only time they ever open the scriptures, the only time they ever feed their souls when they walk into this barn. For some people, the only time they ever get fed spiritually is when they come to a meeting. Now, can you imagine if you only ate physically when you came to a meeting? Might do us some good. But if you only ate physically when you came to a meeting like this, you wouldn't be very healthy, would you? In fact, we might recommend you to see a doctor if you only ate two or three meals a week. But yet, that's the way some of us are spiritually. And no wonder we're hungry. No wonder we're lacking direction. No wonder we're starving because we don't open the scriptures. Because we don't open the word of God. And bread is a picture. Do you remember what Jesus said in the temptation to the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What you need is not just bread on your table. You need bread for your soul. And that's exactly what you find in God's word. The scriptures are our bread. The psalmist once wrote this, uh, one of my favorite psalms, a Psalm chapter 19. It's a beautiful psalm, but he says this in Psalm number, chapter 19, verse number 10. He says, more to be desired. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. There's a sweetness to the word of God. There's a, there's a delight to your belly. And Psalm 119, that, that famous chapter that has 150 verses, the longest chapter in the Bible that deals every verse with the scriptures. Psalm 119, 103 says this, that how sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You need the word of God. And if you're not reading it daily, if you're not taking in a good diet of it, you're going to be in trouble. Do you know how much Job, how much Job loved the word? He said he esteemed it more than his own food for his belly. He desired it more than physical food. And how can we forget the words of our Savior when Jesus said, I am the bread of life? He feeds us himself. That's why we were taught to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's more than just bread on your table from, from, uh, from Hovis or whatever your favorite brand of bread is. It's more than Warburton's bread. No, no, no. This he's talking about give us daily bread for our soul. Day by day. But here's an interesting observation in our text. Did the priest just hand out the bread to David? Did he just give it out? No, he didn't. In fact, interestingly, the priest said in verse number four, there is no common bread under mine hand. There's a lesson for you. There should never be common bread in the house of God. It should only be hallowed bread. It should only be holy bread. The conversation that we, we hear from this pulpit should never be common conversation. It should always be holy. 
The word that proceeds from this pulpit in this place should only be that which edifies, truly feeds the soul. And by the way, you and I as members have a responsibility as well that our conversation should never be common conversation here. It ought to be hallowed. We ought to feast one another, feed one another and feast together on conversations of the word of God. So the scripture, the priest said, look, I don't have anything, but there's no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread. If there's a condition, would you like to receive holy bread? I don't mean that the priest sprinkled it and made the bread holy and then you could eat it. I'm talking, would you like to have a word from God? Would you like, that's, that's what it means to have hallowed bread. To have a word from God. Well, there's only, there's only one way you can do that. Those men could not partake of that hallowed bread unless they were sanctified. The scriptures say there in verse number four, four, there is hallowed bread if the young men have kept themselves, at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us for about these three days. Now, what he's saying is, is he was referring back to an Old Testament uh, regulation that priests, before they could enter in, uh, when, the, when the tabernacle was established, there had to have been a purity, an abstaining from many different things. But there had to be some measure of cleanliness, and that is understood by what David says in the next verse. David says in verse number five, David answered and said unto him of a truth, and women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men, the bodies of the young men are holy, set apart, and the bread is in a manner common. Now, there's an application here. If you want to be fed when you come into this barn, you yourself need to be sanctified. If you expect to hear from God when you come to a meeting, you yourself need to be set apart. You can't be living in sin, expect to come into a meeting and expect God to speak to you like you spoke to, like you spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus. You say, well, Saul, look, he wasn't, he wasn't living the way that he should. That was his salvation experience, not a soul feeding experience. If you expect God to feed your soul, you need to be walking with him. If you expect to hear from God, you need to be walking with him. Oh, you might hear from God if you're not walking with him, but it may be a word of reproof. It may be a word of correction. But I want to be fed. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to know that God is speaking to me. You can't expect that if you're not walking the way that you should be walking. If you have not separated yourself, if you have not committed yourself unto God, if you have not sanctified yourself to him, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says this, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Are you abounding today? Are you abounding? For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Would you look this way? Uh, uh, something was said over the last couple of weeks that has stuck in my head, and, and I don't think I'll forget it for a long time. An, a well-aged gentleman, a, a minister, an elderly gentleman, he said this, We all are looking for the return of Christ, he said, but I don't think he's going to come quite yet because the church isn't ready. The bride isn't pure. Now that's stuck with me. 
When Christ returns, he's coming for a pure bride. When the Lord Jesus comes back, he's coming for a bride that is sanctified, ready. Are you pure? Are you ready? This is God's will. It's the will of God, even your sanctification. Now, I think nothing, nothing sanctifies the church like revival. Nothing purifies the church, historically speaking, like the revival. Every revival began with the church getting right. Every revival historically began with God's people getting right, no longer satisfied to live a nominal, comfortable, casual Christian life. That's where revival began. No longer happy just ticking the box because they went to a meeting once or twice a week. Every revival began with God's people getting on their knees, getting on their face, getting serious about God getting sick of sin in their own life instead of pointing it out in everybody else's life. That's where it has begun, historically speaking. You and I can't expect to really hear from God unless we be sanctified. You can expect to find something else. Direction, food for your soul, bread. But you can also expect, verse number 8, David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? You can expect to find a sword when you come into the house of God. We went to Edinburgh for a day, Dundee for a day, and Glasgow for a day, and I couldn't help myself. You should have seen the look I got from my wife when I came back on the tour bus with a big sword I bought in Edinburgh, big, massive sword. She kind of rolled her eyes and looked in the other direction, but I, I bought that sword. I want to hang it over my fireplace. And I'm telling you, I, in fact, this is, that's what really made me think about, I don't know if I read this text first, and I saw that sword, that looks like Goliath's sword. Massive sword. And there was David, and he said, look, I'm hungry, I don't know where I'm going, and I'm defenseless. I'm vulnerable. I have no weapons. Can I tell you this evening, without the word of God, you are defenseless. Do you know the one weapon that Jesus used against Satan? Do you remember when he was tempted? The one thing he used was the word of God. And if you don't know the word, read the word, memorize the word, use the word, you're defenseless. And Satan knows it. You are an easy target. You might be able to know and ascertain what's happening around the world. You may be able to have great discernment to see all the different things that are happening in the world. But if you don't know the word, you're easy pickings. You're easy pickings. It's interesting. I can imagine that when the priest went there behind the ephod and pulled out that sword, I'm sure that something inside of David's heart leapt and his faith grew. Because if you remember, that was just, that was David's sword. Now it's called Goliath's sword, but it ain't Goliath's sword. Goliath is dead. It's David's sword. God used David to kill Goliath. Goliath David took Goliath's own sword, chopped off his head, and he kept that sword. He kept the sword and then he committed it unto the priest, unto the tabernacle. And it would forever be a symbol of what God can do. It would forever be a reminder that God is a God of impossibilities. Now, can I tell you, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God is your sword. The Bible calls it, the scriptures say it is the sword of the spirit. And you want your faith to be increased, you've got a weapon. You have a weapon, use it. It's sharp. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. This book is your weapon, not your fist, 
Not knives and guns and physical swords that you hang by in Edinburgh and hang over your fireplace. Our weapon is the word of God. And it's powerful. You and I have the greatest weapon. I mean, just opening it is a weapon. Just opening the scriptures builds faith inside of you. Just looking on them, hearing them strengthens you inside. Just by coming to a meeting and hearing the word of God preached, you ought to leave that door stirred up, ready to take on the world. Because the word of God is effective like that. It's alive. You read the scriptures and you begin to see. You know, one of the things I love about about reading men of the past is seeing how, how they believed God. Hudson Taylor was mightily used of God in China. He took the gospel to the inland of China. And you know what? He was determined that he was going to take God at his word. He was determined that he would prove the promises of God. He lived his life like that. He determined, in fact, he'd oftentimes go to meetings and talk about the work in China, but he would never accept any offerings because he wanted it to be God and God alone that took care of him. Isn't that amazing? He would never go to a meeting and pass around the collection bag so that he could fund his work in China. Although it's not wrong, other people were. But he said, I'm going to prove God. I'm going to live by the promises of God. If God said it, surely it must be true. You and I both could do with getting into this book a little bit more. You and I both could have our faith increased. Your great weapon of defense is this book. Know it, memorize it, study it. Be well versed in it. I hope that when you come to this place, you can expect to find a sword. I love what David says. When David asks for a sword, or do you have a spear or a sword? And the man says, well, I've got the sword of Goliath. And he said, take it, if thou wilt take it, take it, because there's no other save that here. We don't have anything else. And David said, well, there's no other sword like it. Give it me. You should have that mentality about this book. You should have that mentality about the word of God, that there's no other book like it. Give it to me. You should come into a meeting like this and you should say, look, if it cuts me, that's okay. Just give it to me. Some people don't, some people come into a meeting and they get upset because whatever the preacher said offended them and they walk out the door, they don't want to come back. But you ought to have the mentality like David, look, I don't care. Give it to me. Give it to me straight. Some people, every once in a while, a brother or a sister who loves you will come and they'll say, look, something's not right in your life. This is what God's word says. You need to get it right. And you get offended. But you shouldn't be offended. You should be like David and say, give it to me. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you love the word of God, you will not be offended. You'll know that it's the word of God, and you'll know that the spirit in which it is given is also the spirit of God. You need it. You need this book. You need to read it. You need to hear it. You need every once in a while a good slash from the word. Every once in a while you need a good cut. You need it. Now, there's one other thing you can expect to find. By the way, uh, Matthew Henry said this in reference to this sword. If you remember, David gave that sword to the house of God, and now he went and he got it back. Matthew Henry said, what we gave, we have. Sometimes we think that if we give something, we lose it. But when it comes to God's work, whatever you give, you end up getting back. Give. There's one other thing you can expect to find at the house of God. This one's not so enjoyable. You can expect to find in the house of God, Doeg. Doeg the devil. You can expect to find him. 
I, I meet people all the time who say, I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites. Of course. Every church since the very beginning has been filled with that kind of a person. Not everybody. Not everybody. That's an exaggeration. But there are no eggs. And you can expect, no matter what church you go to, every once in a while somebody says, I'm not going to that church because this. You're never going to find a church where there's not a dough egg. You're never going to find a church ever where there's not somebody who doesn't really believe it. They're just pretending. The Bible says there in our, in our scripture, in verse number seven, now a certain man of the servant of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. Now, the word Doeg means fearing. Doeg was not an Israelite. He was an Edomite. He came from Esau, the line of Esau. Now, he must have proselytized probably just to get some sort of a, a better, better paycheck from Saul. We know that by what we read later on. He was a fake. That's what he was. He was not an Israelite, although he was under the pretense of being an Israelite. He had become a proselyte. He said he was. He said he was a Christian. Not everybody who says that they're a Christian is a Christian. Not everyone that says they're a child of God is. Not every man that wears a tie or a collar and stands up behind a pulpit and says that he's a preacher and a minister of God is. There are false prophets, false teachers. There are false converts. And Doeg is one of them. And the Bible says he was detained before the Lord. Think about that language. He was doing some service in the tabernacle and he didn't want to do it. Detained. Didn't want to be there. Do you know, every time you go to the house of God like this, would you look this way for a moment? Every time you come to a place like this, there are always people here who don't really want to be here. Always. Unfortunately. That's the truth. Sometimes I don't want to be here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> always you'll find that to be true. No, I'm kidding. I love being here. But there are times, in every place you'll find that there are people who don't really want to be here. They're just going through the motions. Doeg was a descendant, as I said, of Esau. If I remind you, Esau sold his birthright for a pot of soup. He was a fleshly man. He was a violent man. He was the chiefest. This man, Doeg, was the chiefest of the herdmen. He worked for Saul. The word chiefest there means just that, mighty. Some even interpret it to mean violent. Here's this man. And the Bible says he was just watching, listening. In every congregation, you can expect to find a doeg. Just watching, just listening, just waiting for an opportunity. Waiting for an opportunity to destroy the work of God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 4, we looked at it a few weeks ago, if you remember. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 4, Paul writes and says, And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. There's doegs who come in very slyly, very subtly. They come in under the radar. They come in under the under the disguise of being a Christian. They wear the label that says Christian, but they're not really a Christian. They don't really want to be here. They just want to cause problems. Acts, in the book of Acts, Paul warns and says, after my departing, many grievous wolves shall enter in. Some of them will rise up from among you, 
But it's interesting, when you look at the text, you find that Doeg goes back to Saul, goes back to the enemy, and he's telling the enemy everything that happens with David and the priest. And so what we find happens is that Saul, then angry, comes to this place of Nob with Doeg. The Bible says in chapter 22, look what happens. Verse number 13, Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me? Thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and given him a sword and hast inquired of God for him that he should rise up against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, and who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law and goeth at thy bidding and is honorable in thy house. And he's sticking up for David. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, watch this. The king said, thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said to the footmen that stood around him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled, and they did not show it me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the king. You know why? They feared God more than they feared the king. So the king turned to Doeg, Doeg the devil. Turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priests and he slew that day four score and five, 85 persons that did wear the ephod. And Nob, the city of priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. That man was used single-handedly to destroy that entire city of priests, that entire community. And one man, listen carefully, I've seen it with my eyes. One man can come into a church and single-handedly destroy it. One man. So my admonition to you tonight is don't be a doeg. Don't be a doeg. Don't be the kind of fella that is looking for a reason to run to the enemy. Not really wanting to be here, just a troublemaker. Don't be that man. The rest of us keep an eye out for him. Keep an eye out for him. There are many good things that you can find in the house of God, but there are also, unfortunately, because there are men here, there are some bad things that can be found as well. Tonight, you and I need more than anything to hear from God, direction from God. We need to be fed of God. We need the sword of the Spirit. You need it. Without it, you're vulnerable. If you have those things, you'll be okay. Praise God. We learn from this occasion that David goes on and the Lord spares him. He's been fed. He's found direction. And he's found this sword. May the Lord spur us, challenge us, stir us up to go forward for him. Let's pray together, then we'll sing our final hymn. Father, we thank thee that we can find in this thy book direction for our lives. We can find in this precious book bread, food for our soul, and protection as well against the enemy. Lord, may we be those who learn how to use this sword. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. May we be aware that there are tares amongst us. 
wolves in sheep's clothing. Help us, Lord, to walk circumspectly. Protect the flock, we pray. Oh, God, spare us. We pray that we might be thoroughly right with thee in these days. We might be humbled before thee, recognizing that without thee we have nothing and can do nothing. Oh, Lord, bless this flock. Protect this congregation. Lead us ahead, we pray, for we ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.